anybody, man, all right? God is good, man. We are going to jump into this thing. I think I'm obligated, though, because um, Julian said I, I might give, like, a sneak peek of the next week's sermon, right? Or sermon. Does anybody want a sneak peek? You guys want to? Is that not an awesome slide, all right? Put the slide up. Put the slide back up. Slide back up, please. There it is. What you guys think about this slide? This guy started speaking Spanish. You know it's got to be good when an African-American brother speaks Spanish, yo. That is awesome. So we're going to be we're going to be reading and studying the book of James. And basically just to give you like uh, a not a can't give you a summary, but I'm going to give you just a brief general idea of what's going to happen with this. A lot of us are going through mental and emotional and internal wars. How many how many how many can agree with that? Right? Some of us like, dude, you don't even understand the kind of day I had today if I would have just had this sermon last week, you know? But the thing is, we're going to be dealing with this on a week-to-week basis. It's not going to be the same as 1 John, how we're doing like whole chapters. I really feel led to do this little by little, maybe even a verse by verse. It may be even just like three verses just for one week because that's all we can handle right now. But James is a really, really deep book, and it talks about the wars that start, not with like Afghanistan, not with like Donald Trump in the White House, but the wars, that, according to James, that actually start within us. So you guys didn't know that, right? Someone was like, dude, preach right now. I can't. I can't because then it's cheating. I can't. I got to keep going through this. But come next week and check it out. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> let's, uh, let's bow our heads and uh, let's pray. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for who you are, God. We thank you, Lord God, for getting us through this series, God, and allowing our lives to change, God. Allowing us, Lord God, to experience your love, God. And I pray that on a daily basis, God, we would walk with you. We would talk with you, God. We would receive and give your love, God. And we thank you, Lord God. Have your way tonight, God. Open up our hearts. Open up our ears. Open up our minds, God. Let ears hear and let eyes see tonight, God. Have your way, Lord. Holy Spirit, may you rain down in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Praise God. Man, let's jump into this. Today's sermon, if we can, uh, title is, you know to know to know. All right, some of you guys like do that. It's not grammar, but we have a grammar teacher in the house, and she actually confirmed that that is grammar. All right, so the sermon again is called You Know to Know to Know. And it's really coming from You Can Know to Know to Know. Because our series has been on true or false. And we had, the, we had the privilege to hear what was true and what was false in accordance to God's word and what the world uh, tends to give us, lies and deception, fake love that's not really real love, and all these other things that are never lasting. They are only temporary little brownie bits, temporary little s'mores, but they end up running out because they were never intended to give us eternal or spiritual satisfaction. It was only the satisfaction that came to this, this body of death, this flesh. And so some of you guys are dealing with like addictions of self-pleasure or addictions of, of sex or drugs or anything like that. It's like, man, why can't this just last forever? Why is it when the high goes down, I then feel the exact same, if not worse? And the reason being is because the world can never give you what only God can give you. And he is love. Amen. 
God is love, and we learned that last week. I want to go right now and give us a recap of this series starting from the beginning into the end, just with the thought and the, uh, the, the, of this title called You Know to Know to Know. And so you know to know to know now that as we talked about in the first chapter, in the first part of this series, in chapter 1 of 1 John, that Jesus is the life and the light of mankind. Jesus' life is life we must live after, and in his light, we are able to see sin for what, is it, for what it is and confess our sin unto Jesus and be forgiven and cleansed from all wrongful living that we may continue to walk in his light with his help and other, and other believers through fellowship. And that was the first, that was chapter one, that was the first sermon we gave. And it was called Jesus, the life and light of mankind. The second one was real, recognized, real. How many people remember that? Real, recognized, real. And John got really real with us and allowing us to be able to examine ourselves to see if we are actually real believers. And so, right, my computer's turning off and on. I forgot to set it up, but nonetheless... It says, John takes us on a journey of self-examination and discernment based on what he spoke about in chapter 1 when in regards to him, Jesus, being the life and the light of mankind. Chapter 2 follows up with how we know we are growing or not as true or false believers. We learn that we cannot claim to know God and live in him and yet not keep his commands or love others. That was a big deception in the world. Yes, I belong to God. Yes, I'm saved, but I can care less about loving other people or obeying God and living, out, living a life the way he wants me to live. But yet, I'm still a Christian. We learned that that was false. You're either for God or you're against God. The Bible calls you a liar and the truth is not in you when you have that kind of mindset assuming that, yes, um, um, we cannot claim to know God and live in him and yet not keep his commandments. The Bible says you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And so, therefore, the only way for us to be true is a person that lives after God and keeps his commands and loves others. That is a real believer. And so we needed and need to always look into the mirror of Jesus and see if we reflect his life and person in our own life in the world. Do you guys remember that? I had a mirror. Everybody shown the mirror. You guys remember that, that sermon? Some of you guys, one, four, okay. So it was about a mirror looking in Jesus, right? Look at the sermon online. We always have our sermons recorded, and they're on our Elevate page, Facebook page. Check it out. The next one was Christians are countercultural. I love this one. Christians are countercultural. We learned that countercultural meant going or standing against what the world believes in or how the world acts what the world believes, what the world is on. We don't get on the same page as the world is on. We stay as believers, and we counter the things of the world as believers. And so we as Christians must not live, must live not as the world, but against the world and sin that goes against God. We do not stand up for the world and its ways or trends, but stand against them as Christians. We cannot love the world and God at the same time. We can either love one and hate the other and so learn that a real Christian is one who remains and lives in the truth of Jesus Christ and lives according to his truth found in the Bible. We love the people of this world to Jesus, but we hate and have no part of their sin that is against God. See the big difference there? 
A lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, you just hate homosexuals. Oh, you just hate drug addicts. Oh, you just hate people that have abortions. Or you just hate this. You hate them. You hate them. You hate them. And it's like, no, dude, I don't hate them. I hate the sin that they do, but I love them. I love them so much that I will preach the gospel to them. I love them so much that I will stand as an example to them to show them what God and who God really is in my life and through my life. Even though they ridicule me, even though they persecute me, talk about me, make fun of me, don't make a difference. But they will know what God is for and what God is against by the way I live my life, a counter-cultural Christian. And then the next one after that we talked about, you are a child of God or a child of the devil. That was real. That got real, real fast in that one. And so we are children of God right now. Somebody say right now. Through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. And because of that, we do not wait to do right or to purify ourselves from wrongdoing. We do and live right right now. Because right now, because we are children of God right now. There is no middle ground of doing us. There is only children of God and children of the devil. A child of God does not practice sin while a child of the devil practices and makes excuses to keep sinning. And so a child of God will love God and people always in obedience to God. You see the difference there. One is a child of God who when he commits a sin, he turns to ask for forgiveness and says, God, help me, help me to repent, Holy Spirit, and turn from that sin. A child of the devil would care less about confessing their sin. If anything, they will say, I love my sin. I'm okay with it, dude. I'm going to find more ways to actually do this sin. Yeah, I hear the Bible. Yeah, I hear the preacher. I don't care about that stuff. I just want to do me. Right there and then, he is a child of God. He is living a life according to his spiritual father, who is the devil. And some of you guys are like, Steve, you're too harsh, man. That stuff's too real. Why you got to come at us like that? This is the Bible. I'm just a representative. I'm just an ambassador telling you what Jesus said. Amen? Don't throw the stones at me. Holler at God upstairs. Amen? God, and then last week we talked about God loves you. Somebody say, God loves me. Amen? Last week, we learned about the Spirit of God who lives in us and how he is the one who helps us experience the love of God and live for God by loving others. We learned that God is love and loves us and showed us his love by sending Jesus to die for us. You guys remember that? Nobody. That's a shame. Do you guys remember that? Leilana's like, thumbs up. It is, I checked this out, sending Jesus to die for us. It is because of the true love that God showed and gave to us that we can love God, ourselves, and others. When we experience the true love of God through a relationship in Jesus Christ, the fake love of this world that is founded on fear is driven out, and we, through the Spirit who lives in us, can love and be loved the way God loves and loved us. And God loves you. Amen? And that was the series all the way up until this point. Took me about seven minutes to do that, a little bit more. But that's what we talked about in this whole series. If you missed one of these, one of these sermons, I'm telling you, man, you, you want to go back and listen to them. You don't want to just leave this out. Go back to the Elevate page, visit that page, like the page, and check out these sermons because these are, these are the goodies for our spirit, for our soul, to live the way God wants us to live. Now, today, it's a whole other thing. We're going to be wrapping up this sermon and, uh, and coming to a close with this, with just basically, as we talked about in the sermon, the sermon title, you know to know to know 
to know, to know, to know that you are who God says you are. And even though, like, who's who been with us since the beginning of this sermon, right? Since day one, like, dude, I've been with you since day one. We've been riding since way back. Do I got your back, right? How many again? Can you lift your hands? Right? So just talking to you guys, and even some of you guys are still here, like the new visitors that haven't been here the whole time, do you know to know to know that you're a child of God today? Do you know to know to know? These guys, you know, he's keeping it real. He's like, dude, I don't know. I haven't did my commit, you know, I haven't did my little, you know, whatever they do for Catholics, right? I, I haven't did this. I didn't do enough push-ups today, whatever. So, like, I don't know, you know what I mean? But, see, we talked about true facts through this whole series. And it wasn't like cutthroat, like, dude, you, you may not know. Or, like, dude, I, I don't know if you're a child of God, you know what I mean? And, and that reality, I don't know, only you know, and God knows, right? But you can know who you are because the Bible says so. Now, see, a lot of times our Catholic friends, right, distant relatives, we can say, right, they tell, and I was raised Catholic myself until God showed me the truth according to the word. Nothing against Catholics other than the fact of you ask many of them and they'll say, dude, I don't know. I don't know. Are you going to heaven? Just two weeks ago, uh, uh, me and uh, Joe B were in front ministering to you, and the, the, I asked him, hey, if you die today, you're going to heaven. The first thing she said was, I hope so. What do you mean you hope so? You either know so or you don't know. And she was just, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And the reason being is because they're not reading their Bibles. They don't know the promises of God. And so they don't know if they're going to heaven or hell. And not only that, but they're working off works. Catholic religion, their belief is to do enough good works to get to heaven. But how many know you can't do enough good works? Because it it would never equal to how many bad works you do on a constant basis. Right? Some of you guys did so much bad this week, you're like, dude, I don't even know if I'm human anymore. Like, I did some crazy stuff today. Or this week, you know what I mean? And so we have to really look into the Word of God, and the Word of God is real cutthroat to tell you exactly if you're saved or not, and it would even describe it to you as we talked about in this series. And so though today we will close this book and series with, you know to know to know what is true and what is false, and have a choice to choose to live and be the true children of God through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, that's to know, to know. That is facts right there. And so I want to go on ahead and jump into the Bible now. We're going to be reading out of 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to knock out right now the first five chapters. And this one, I have a little subtitle, and it's called Faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody say Faith in Jesus Christ. This is what the Word of God says, first five verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Burdensome meaning they're heavy, they're hard to do. It says, no, they're not hard to do, they're not heavy. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so right off the bat, John gives us emphasis to how one loves others, and that is by loving God first. You see, we can't sit around here and say, man, I love my peoples. I love, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love my schoolmates. I love all of them. If you haven't first... Love God. Let alone, you can't even love God until God first begins to love you and you accept that love. 
Because anything from there is just bootleg love. Do you guys understand that? Anything from there is just religion. It means absolutely nothing. And so it is right here. It says, as it says, he placed the importance of loving our brothers and sisters or others as a sign that the love of God is in you. But apparently, the false teachers began to show love to the people and children of God as so to deceive others that they were of God. My, my mind, you guys, right? In the in before, as we read these other verses and chapters, uh, John was making emphasis that, hey, if you love others, that means the love of God is inside of you. And his language all the way up until this point was toward that direction. If you're a child of God, then you will love other people. If you belong to God, then you will love other people. If you say you claim you're in God, then you will love other people. You will love other people. But now he changes this, his language here in John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 5, and now he switches it and says, if you love, the only way you can love other people is that you must first love God and he keep his commandments. This is important for a couple reasons in which I'm about to get into. It says, but apparently the false teachers began to show love to the people of God and so deceive others that they were of God. But the way we know that we love the children of God is by first loving God and carrying out his commandments. We love because he first loved us. You remember that in last chapter? We love God because he first loved us. First John 4, 19. People can show love. Listen to this now. People can show love to people, including believers, but if they are not loving God the Father and keeping his commands, do not belong to God, and it means absolutely nothing. You see, a lot of us try to, uh, try to adopt the, the do works to get saved, do works to get to heaven. Let me do a whole bunch of good things. Let me love people. Let me serve people. Let me do all the other things. But I come to tell you, according to the Bible, it would mean absolutely nothing if you don't first allow God to love you, love God in return, and begin to keep his commandments. You cannot have one without the other. Well, no, I'm just going to start loving everybody. I'm just going to be a good person. I'm going to be like Angelina Jolie. I'm going to start adopting all type of African children, let them run in my house, and then that's good enough works. I'm going to show the world that I am a good person. She will bust hell wide open if she does not first have God in her life, loving her, loving God, and keeping his commands. It would mean nothing. Those children that she adopted and that good work that she did will burn in hell just like she will if she does not first love God and allow God to love her, love God, and keep his commands. It means nothing. It means a people that are trying to be religious and trying to control God by their own works, and in the end, you will fall flat on your face. In fact, you will fall on your knees and confess that Jesus is Lord and not you. That is the difference between relationship and religion. Religion tends to try to control God while relationships allow God to control them in a sense of a relationship. Because religion calls for me to do enough works to tell you what to do now. Because now you owe me. So now we try to go on ahead and these people try to do all these good works. And in the end they try to look at God and say, God, well, listen, I adopted half of Africa. I adopted the whole country of Nigeria. I then jumped over there and adopted all type of Muslim children. And I've been loving people and I've been doing good in the world. And he will look at you or you will look at God and say, now you have to let me into heaven. Do you guys see the difference? That is religion. Religion attempts to control God to make God do what they want to do. Relationship, according to the Bible, which that's, it is the Christian faith, is a, is a relationship that first bows the knee. And it says, God... 
I need your love. I cannot do nothing without you. And apart from you, I am nothing. And so we submit and surrender ourselves, not to a religion, but to God himself. And we say, God, save my life. Let me experience your love, God. Love me so I can love you, love myself, and love everybody else the way you love me. There's a big difference there. And so John went on ahead and he switched the game up for these false teachers because obviously these false teachers try to be like those people. Well, hey, look, man, John is over here talking about this, so let me try to love some Christians. Let me help them out with some food. Let me help them out with some clothing. Let me help them out with some, some housing so they can think we're of them. And John said, no, 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 it don't work like that, dude. It don't work like that. If you don't have God the Father through Jesus Christ, then what you're doing means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. And so if you're in this place today thinking, I'm going to do enough good in order to control God or, or enough good to go to heaven, I'm telling you right now, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. The best thing we can do is get on our knees at this altar and say, God, come into my life. Save my life. Love me so that I can love you in turn. Love myself and love others. Amen? Moving on, it says this. Three and four says, people assume that God's commands are hard to keep or burdensome. But the reality is, when we are born again, mind you, when we are born again, then born again in God, right? Keeping God's laws are easy and even comes with freedom to live for God. Some of you guys are like, what are you talking about? What is happening here? Only sinners think God's commands are burdensome or hard to do. Because for them, it is hard to do and keep doing right. You see, because all they want to do is do wrong. But see, when you get born again, the commandments, you don't even have to try to do them. You automatically do them. They come naturally. Let me tell you guys, as your pastor, I'm not at home shaking and, and tying myself up trying to keep the commandments. I'm not shaking and trying with all my might, all my power to do right and live right. No, I've been born again, and because of that, I have a new me in the inside of me. There's a new me coming through me, and his name is Jesus Christ. And because he lives inside of me through the power of the Spirit of God who lives in me, as we talked about last week, I can walk around free. And it's like basic stuff, the commandments, like, dude, you should love your enemies. Bam, this dude acts crazy, like, hey, dude, don't worry about it, man, I forgive you. God bless you, man. Do you need anything? Yeah, dude, I'm kind of hungry. Dude, take some food. Don't even worry about it, man. God bless you. I'm not trying to love my enemies like as hard as I can. It comes naturally. It says honor God. Honor your father, your mother. I don't have to try to do that. I don't have to try to, man, I got to do my homework because I'm in Bible college and I want to honor God. That, that's trying, obviously, right? You got to do your homework. That's a little hard, right? But by the grace of God, I'm able to do it. You guys understand? It's not hard to be faithful to my wife. It's like, man, Joe, that girl is so fine. She's looking at me. Oh, and I'm over here convulsing like, dude, why can't I just have every girl I want to have? No, it's not like that, dude. I look at the girl. Okay, pretty girl, whatever. I'm going to go about my business. I love my wife. I love my wife. Mind you, I say, yeah, pretty girl, because if it's because I said she's a pretty girl doesn't mean I'm in sin. You guys with me? Just because you're a Christian, you get married doesn't mean that you, you, you turn off your body. It's like, dude, I'm not attracted to nobody. I only think my wife is hot, and that is it. No, the reality is, come on, the reality is we have some beautiful people in this house today, right? Some beautiful people. Some people raise their hand over it. Oscar's raising his hand. Dude, I'm beautiful. Like, dude, look at me. Look what I can do. Give it up for Oscar. This brother got confidence. You want a man like that, all right? But, right? So the thing is, I'm not trying as hard as I can to be favored to my wife. It comes natural, guys. 
I'm not trying as hard as I can to not watch porn. It comes natural. It's because I have God inside of me. Do you guys understand? I'm not like, dude, there's a computer. My goodness, what am I going to do? I'm pacing back and forth like, I don't even know what to do. I like the computer. I like the stuff. Give me the, just, just give me the computer. No, it's just like, dude, I just don't want to do it. I just want to honor God. I just want to honor God. Get born again and honor God. You see, you're in sin, and so therefore the commandments become hard to do. I was talking with my wife, and we had a conversation the other day about sin and doing right. And it's like, why don't I want to do wrong? And I'm like, the reason why I don't want to do wrong is because it's so hard to do wrong these days. Like, think about it. I'm saved now. To do wrong, it's like, dude, then I got to hide the wrong, and then I got to hide the wrong of the wrong that I did initially, and then I add more wrongs. I got to lie about this, but then I forgot about the other lie I gave. Was it blue or was it red? Man, I think it was white. And it's like you're keeping this track of sin. Man, I got to hide these emails. I got I to hide these text messages. And I'm telling you, Living in sin is like a full-time job. It is a full especially trying to be a believer, a fake believer at that. I don't just going to pretend I'm a believer because, you know, it's just what to do. My friends go out over to church, so I'm going to pretend. Listen, it'll be hard to pretend because one day you're going to be exposed because you're going to be tired of this stuff. And all of a sudden you're going to come and elevate. Bam, you're kicking chairs, tired of this stuff. Yes, pastor, shut up. You don't know what you're saying. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm out of here. Like, dude, what happened? Dude, I just baptized you. Like, no, nah, dude, I... I did it because my friends did it. I'm telling you, we're, we're talking about this stuff. It's hard to do because sinful people have to continue to hide their wrongdoings. They have to hide their lies. They got to remember their lies. Dude, I don't even remember what happened last week, let alone a bunch of lies. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I don't know how you guys do it these days. Hide things from your parents, emails, pictures, text messages, all this stuff. It's like, dude, don't you understand that you're living a full-time job just, just hiding your text messages? From your parents? Kate is laughing over there like, dude, you don't understand. This week has been rough. I've been working 40 hours this week. Where's mom at? You need my help. You, you call me. We'll get her, okay? Do that, all right? So the thing is, this is real, but this is for real. It's hard to be a sinner. But when you get born again, it is so much freedom to know I have no baggage on my shoulders. I'm not walking in sin I'm not living crazy. I have freedom, and I love people, and people love me, and some of them don't, but I don't care because I still love Jesus, and it's just what it is. It's freedom in there. So I'm telling you guys, you may think that Christianity or becoming a Christian is lame. you got to be in some, cor- in some corner. It is the freedom that your life and your soul is yearning for on a daily basis. It is yearning for freedom as you sit in your bed hoping and praying that daddy does not find what I hid in the kitchen or whatever. You're sitting there worrying about it with fear. When you walk in in God and are born again, no no, no more worries. You walk into freedom. When you hear your mama's steps coming in, right, you guys know what I'm talking about. Victor's like, oh, my goodness, I spread that last night. When you hear your mama's walks coming in, you're not going to have a guilty conscience like, dude, did she find it? She's coming in my room, and you hear the door open, like, the door opens, you're like, I did it. I did it. You're like, what are you talking about? I just wanted to see if you wanted rice or did you want beans with the rice. What What do you mean what you did now? What did you do? Man, nothing, nothing. It was just, I had a hard day, mom. I had a hard, I'm telling you, my kids do it. They try to hide stuff. I pop them off. And it's like, the moment they come in the room, they hear the footsteps. They look at me. I had my daughter just now earlier in the room. Leilana, I put her on blast. She sat there so terrified because she heard rumors about my office that people get rebuked. She sits there like a guilty person. She's just sitting there like, why am I in here? Did I do something wrong? 
And the thing is, like a guilty conscience, like, well, did you? Are you hiding something from me? And it's like, no, because they're living with something on top of their shoulders, knowing that it's wrong. And you know what that is? That is the false love that is founded on fear that is waiting for punishment. And we talked about that last week. It is that fear that comes with punishment. And the Bible says it's because you have not experienced the true love of God. And what the true love of God does, it frees you. From the, it frees you, meaning liberates you from that bond is a punishment. See, I don't worry about dying. It's like people come in my, my school, I work in high school, they come in with guns like, dude, do what you got to do. Because I'm trying to go to heaven, dude. Shoot me, dude. They hear me say something like that, like, dude, I'm not coming into school with a gun. Because obviously you don't care. Like, that is, it doesn't matter. I'm going to the next school. You know what I mean? Because I don't care. It's like, dude, I'm going to heaven. I don't fear all this stuff. If I die, hey, I'm going to be with Jesus. But if you die, where are you going? Hmm? Got some people pointing down. Like, dude, I'm going to hell. Well, you don't have to. God paid the price. Amen? Let's keep on moving. So it says, verse 5, our faith in Jesus Christ as son of God, who is the king. As son of man, who is an overcomer. And as our savior, who is our priest. That is how we have overcome the world. And the world represents all that opposes God and his commands. By keeping our faith, which is an active faith, in Jesus, that he is who he says he is. Revelation 12, 11, if I can get that up there. This is what the Bible says. They triumphed, or that triumph is a synonym for overcome. Over him, by him they're talking about the devil, the evil one, the one who's in control of this world right now. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The way they overcame the enemy was because of the blood of the lamb. They believed in Jesus Christ and his promises and who he was entirely. And by the word of their testimony, their testimony was this. Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is God and King. He is the Son of Man. He's an overcomer. He is a Savior, which means he's a priest, and he stands in the gap for me. We need to understand the fact that the way we overcome this world is by recognizing and realizing and accepting in faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, which means he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All authority belongs to Jesus. That means when Jesus said, thou shalt not this, that means thou shalt not this. When Jesus says, no weapon formed against you will prosper, that means no weapon formed against you will prosper. When he says, listen, I will work out all things to the good, to those who love me, and are called according to my purpose, that means no matter what happens, God's promises is true, and amen. We don't have to worry about nothing. God, I'm having bullies. Don't worry about it. Trust in my promises. I will take care of them. God, I'm dealing with insufficiency, God. Who can I trust? Who can I lean on? Lean on me because you're more than a conqueror through me who loves you. You're more than a conqueror. And so we stand on the fact that God is our king. What he says actually happens and it goes. He is the son of man, meaning when he came to this earth in an earth suit, he overcame this whole world. He never sinned one time. I can trust a man like that. He never sinned one time, but yet he experienced all type of temptations. The Bible says all temptations. He experienced them. He experienced probably not pornography, but maybe their own kind back in the days 2,000 years ago. I don't know how that looks like. I can't even imagine that stuff, but he experienced all this stuff. Sexual sins, temptations, self-pleasure, pride. 
He experienced all type of hurts, people betraying him, people talking about him, gossiping in the back. Dude talking about he's going to resurrect in three days. Like, what? You're going to die on a cross for our sins. Who are you? Right? Whose man's is this? You can hear him say, you can hear Peter talking about that. Whose man's is this dude making the water stop and the storms go away? Whose man's is this? Right? Raising up Lazarus from the dead. And say, he's just stinking inside a cave. Lazarus come out. He comes out. Man, what's up? Jesus, hey. Whose man's is this? Because you think about that stuff. But he was the son of man. He overcame death. He overcame sin. He is our savior. He is our priest. He stands in a gap for us. That is the Jesus we put our faith and our hope in. That is the way we overcome this world. It's through Jesus. It's not through our own accord. It's not through TJ saying, TJ, come help me. I got some guys coming at me. And then TJ comes out the bush like, dude, run up. No, what? No, we ain't doing that. Jesus run up. You know what I mean? We ain't doing none of that. We trusting in Jesus Christ and not in fleshly means. Amen? You don't got to pick up a pistol. You got to pick up a Bible. Hear your, hear your word. Hear the promises. Start shooting them at the devil. Amen? You guys ain't ready for this. We'll play Call of Duty in Jesus. I'm telling you. Listen, though. Let us move on. It says this. 1 John 5, 6 through 12. It's what it says. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Who is the Spirit? The truth. Thank you, one person. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And three, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony of God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. What has he given us? Eternal life. And this, is, this, is, and this life is in his son, capital S, Jesus Christ. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I broke these scriptures down in three things. Jesus came by water. You guys remember hearing that? Jesus came by water. What, what, first, let me tell you, John is trying to clarify what we talked about last night, uh, last week, that Jesus was 100% man. And he said, this is what testifies to that, that Jesus came by water. We seen him. He got baptized in water. He was dipped under the water and came back up. The, spirit, the heavens opened up. Uh, the Spirit of God came inside of him. And God the Father spoke and said, This is my Son, whom I love and am well pleased with him. They seen that. John was there. He testified of it. He seen it for himself that he came by, by water, the baptism of Jesus Christ. That was the first testimony, the first witness. Then he came by blood. What they mean, what John is talking about here is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Saying that Jesus did die 100% man and 100% God. It wasn't that, that a God part left and took off or whatever. Now he was just a man all alone. No, no, I'm going to die. No, he was sitting there on the cross, full God, full man. And so the crucifixion represents, that the, the, the blood represents the crucifixion in which he shed for mankind. He was the ultimate sacrifice for us all. And if it wasn't for him, we would still be in our sin. The last one says, the spirit who lives in us testifies and proves that Jesus was fully God and fully man. 
three testimonies, his baptism, his crucifixion, right, and the spirit of God who lives inside of us and also who came down at his baptism. Therefore, we have eternal life right now. Somebody say right now. When we have and accept through faith in Jesus Christ and who he was and is. And so we need to understand that Jesus Christ is enough and he is all you need. He is enough and he is all you need. See, Jesus Christ had to be baptized to prove that he actually came from God for one. And for two, he had to prove that he was full man. And he still had to abide by the baptism that was going on of that day and age that was coming through John. Because it fulfilled scripture. And he had to die on a cross because that was his whole mission as a man. To come into this world and to die on a cross for our sins. We have to understand this because when we say we're saved, the question then is, what are you saved from? Who saved you? Who saved you? And see, we're saved, one, from sin. And the only way somebody can pay for all the penalty for sin, somebody had to die. The Bible says the only way for sin to be forgiven, blood must be spilled. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is from the beginning and has no end. No, he has no yeah, beginning and has no end. He always was and always will be. He had to come. He looked down, seeing sinful man who he created, and he said, there is no sacrifice for them. Send me. Son of God says, send me. He came, took, came through a virgin birth, just like a little baby, had to grow up just like we're growing up now. And he came for a mission, to die on the cross for our sins so that we can have eternal life through him. That is those things. We must understand that. And so they testified. Three things or three people we could say, or three, two things and one person testifies that he is who he said he was, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and can do what he said he can do? See, if we don't get past that, we can't do nothing. Your sins are never forgiven, and you will never be the man or woman that God wants you to be. And that is in freedom. And so let us move on here. Read uh, 1 John 5, 13 through 20. We're about to wrap this thing up. This one I call, you can know that you know. And it says this, I write these things to you, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Anybody believe in the name of the Son of God? That name, man, you could give it up for Jesus. He's awesome. That word name, the reason why they didn't say believe in Jesus, they could have said that too. But they said believe in the name. Name, his name represents all he is, all he will ever be, all who he was. It represents everything, the totality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So that you may know, here it is, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Was there any doubt in that, in that scripture? That it was like, dude, so that, you know, you can probably hope that you have it. You know, so you could, you know, maybe have eternal life, you know. You know, as, as far as it depends on you, you know. No, it says, if you believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you can know. He wrote this so that we can know that you have eternal life. There is no if, ands, or buts there. There is no, well, if you do good enough, well, if you sleep in a church, well, if you go to the lock-in, you better go to the lock-in, right? Well, if you go to a camping trip, you better be at the camping trip. But none of those things are going to save you. Only Jesus Christ, it says, so that you can know you have eternal life. This is the confidence. Somebody say confidence. We have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, there it is, we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of, asked of him. 
If you see any brother or sister committing sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will, will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And there is a sin that leads, that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Listen to this. Hear these, we know, right? The, the, the title of the message, we, you know, to know, to know, to know, right? Listen to this. We know, no, no doubts there, that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. We know this. The Bible says we know that anybody born of God will not keep on sinning. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. Here goes verse 19. We know. Somebody say we know. That we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You guys hear that? Let me do it one more time because Delaney was like, dude, I don't even know. Like, who has the world? Am I a child of God? I'm just playing. Listen, this is what it says. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the devil, the evil one. Who has, who's under control of who in the world? The devil. It's either you're a child of God or a child of the devil. And so we know, somebody say we know. Also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Here it is again. So that we may know. Somebody say we may know. Him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You see right here, there's we know, we know, we know. There isn't, I don't know if I have eternal life. Nobody can ever know. People even tell you, nobody can ever know that. No, yes, you can. According to the Bible, we know if we have eternal life. We know if we're son of God. We know who we belong to. This is what it says. Do you believe in the name signifying all who Jesus is, the son of, the son of God? Then you know you have eternal life right now. We come, to, we come to God in confidence, verse 14 and 15, in confidence when we know he hears us and we know he answers us according to his will. When we are born of God, we become children of God who have eternal life right now. We don't need to doubt or we need not doubt, but have confidence that God will meet every need according to his will and purposes in our life. It is not based, listen to this guys. It is not based on how you feel or how far you feel you are from God. It is based on the truth that comes from God himself. You see, some of us are, I'm reading this to you guys, and you're like, dude, I, I still don't know. I still don't know. I don't have confidence. I, I don't know because I feel like I'm far from God. I feel like I'm not close to God. I'm telling you guys. The Bible just said it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how far you feel from him. It doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is what the truth says. And see, we have to get out of our feelings and let God be the God of our feelings. Let God be the God of our emotion. Because the moment we allow our emotions to take over, we will begin to doubt if we're children of God or have eternal life in all, in all totality, in all, in all its senses. We will lose that thought. We will lose that belief because based on our feelings and our emotions. And so right here, John is telling us we can know that we are children of God. We can know that we have eternal life. We can know that we have confidence in God and that he hears us and answers us. We can know these things. And we should know these things. 
But a lot of us draw off our feelings. We draw off of, man, I don't feel close to God. I don't feel like I've been reading enough. I don't feel like I've been listening to love. I just feel like I've been in my phone the whole time, like Abel. I just feel like I've just been, you know, just on my own stuff. Listen, when I was in prison, there was a time where I felt so far from God. I didn't feel, I believe God did it on purpose. I know he did it on purpose. I didn't feel God for weeks. Weeks went by, and I'm like, man, am I in sin? Like, is God even here anymore? Like, what happened? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm knocking and stuff. God, where are you at? I'm praying. I started fasting and stuff, going crazy. Like, dude, I'm just going to stop eating, drinking, everything. Just nothing. I need to hear from God. And nothing happened. And then finally, I felt the presence of God again. And he began to speak to me. and talk. I was like, why, why would you do that? Why would you make it seem like you're not here with me? You know what he told me? So that you would not draw off your feelings and emotions, but know and trust in my word that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And see, the thing is, some of you guys, even right now, feel like I'm far from God. I don't feel like I'm close to God. I, feel like I'm, I just feel like he's not even here. Listen, God may be doing it on purpose because he's tired of you drawing off your feelings. He's tired of you waiting until you get goosebumps. He's tired of you waiting until the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. Oh, God is here. My hair stood up. God is here. I got goosebumps. God is like, no, I'm always there. I never left because my word said so. My word is true. If we could all stand up right now. My word is true. And so we need to come to an understanding and a mindset within our brains that it's not about what we feel. It's about what we know and who we know according to the Bible. It's not about what I feel like. Dude, I just, I feel like he's not here and I just feel like crying and no, nobody's here for me now. I don't have any love. I don't have nothing. No, God is saying, listen, nothing can separate me from your love or from my love for you. Nothing can separate me. I would never leave you nor forsake you. And so we can move on. The idea of praying for a brother, I'm going to knock this out real fast. The idea for praying, oh, praying for a brother and sister comes after having confidence and approaching God. If I could get a Stephanie up here real fast and he's uh, this guitar. Listen, he talked about confidence and, ha- and knowing that God hears us and answers our prayer. After that, he starts talking about praying for another person. Why? Because there are believers and people who fall into that that deception of feelings and they feel like they're far from God. They feel like God has left them and they're saying, he's saying, no, you need to now go pray for that individual. You might have sinned and been in sin like the word was talking about. And you're like, dude, I've been sinning, dude, I, I can't pray. I lost my confidence. And God is saying, listen, you see a brother and sister caught in sin, you go pray for that person. You go let that person know that they are not alone. And see, I want to come tell you guys tonight, you are not alone. God has made us born again into a family that is eternal, into a family that is all over the world. Look around. There's born again people around you that love you. You are not alone. You are not alone. And so moving on, it says, therefore, as James 5.15 states, the prayer offered in faith will make the the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. We are called to be there for each other. And at times, our confident faith must be used to intercede with our brothers and our sisters who are caught up in sin and lacking in confidence. Is that anybody today lacking in confidence? Then let somebody, let your brother, let your sister pray for you. It says the sin that leads to death can be several things from blaspheming the Holy Spirit according to Mark 3.29 
lying to the Holy Spirit, who is God in Acts 5, 1 through 11, when they, had, they literally dropped dead right there and then because they lied to God. And it says, and turning from Christ, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 says, oh, it talks about once somebody tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And after seeing that, like preacher, uh, uh, Pastor Steve, I know what you're saying is true. I believe in uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins, but I don't care. I'm going this way and I'm going to keep sinning. The Bible says don't pray for that person because that person is going to hell. That person is against me. There's no other sacrifice for that person because he denied the only sacrifice for his life, which is Jesus Christ. He said, I believe it must do with the false teachers who became and joined with the Antichrist, forming a part of the body of believers, formerly a part of the, uh, the body of believers, but walked away in unbelief regarding who Jesus Christ was and is, hence the purpose for this letter and book. This whole book, 1 John was written because of these false, uh, false teachers who, who were part of the Christian. They were coming to elevate, you can say, and they left. And then they started to say, Jesus Christ is not who he said he is. He's not who he said he was. And it started to affect the rest of the believers. But listen, I come to tell you today, four we knows, truths given by John that summarizes his whole letter. And here it is in conclusion. We know that anyone born of God does not continue in sin by remaining in God and allowing him to keep us safe from the enemy whose soul is, who is after people he can control and lead to hell. The second one, we know that we are children of God. Everyone else is under the control of the devil. There's no middle ground or doing me. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. And the Bible says, we know that we are children of God. Do you know that today? It says, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Jesus showed us the true love of God through his life and sacrifice to understand how much God loves us and how we must live like Jesus. And lastly, we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. Does anybody know God today? Sandy, you can clap. It's okay. Listen, 1 John 5, 21 says this. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Anything that goes before God, we give up what we know when we allow other things to take the place or cause us to compromise what we know and so we walk away from God. You see, right now, if I can talk to your heart right now, what have you been putting before God as an idol? There was a time where you trusted God with everything. There was a time where you came to church faithfully. There was a time where you prayed faithfully. There was a time when you read the word faithfully. There was a time when you loved God unconditionally because you realized he loves you like that. What happened what idol did you put in front of God? An idol is anything that you worship, an engraven image, or anything that you put before God. Is it a boyfriend? Is it a girlfriend? Is it pornography? Is it sin? Is it your dog? Is it sports? Is it football? Is it baseball? The Bible considers all these things as idols if it goes before God. 
And the whole purpose of the devil giving us idols, it could be your Xbox, it could be your PS4, it could be the new Call of Duty, it could be the one you're expecting to come out, World whatever, World War II or whatever. It could be any of these things. But let me tell you the reason why the devil puts these things there. It's so that little by little, you stop caring about the things of God. Little by little, you stop coming to church. Little by little, you stop praying. Little by little, you stop reading the word. Little by little, you stop talking to your one on one You stop hanging around other Christians. And the sole purpose is that one day you will do the unthinkable. And you will say, I don't even believe in God anymore. I don't even know if he's true or not anymore. And quite frankly, I don't even care because I just want to do me. If you have idols in your life, I plead with you. I beg you. Because idols are there to take the place of God and lead you straight to hell. Come to this altar symbolically and put that sucker on fire. Come to this altar, kneel before God and say, God, forgive me for putting idols before you. I burn them before you right now, God. Take them from me. I put you first again. If that is you, I commend, not commend, I commend you. Come up here and deal with that because that is the enemy himself. If that is you, I would come up. If you don't know if you're born again, born again, I ask you, come up and receive, be born again through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know to know to know that Jesus is who he is, who he says he is? The Spirit and the God and God the Father says he is and that you have eternal life through him. Do you know you have eternal life? If you don't, make sure you know it today. Do you have idols, things placed before God, whether sin, people, or things, and you need deliverance? Then I will come up here, ask for forgiveness, and be delivered. If you need confidence, listen, if you need confidence right now, like, man, I, I don't even know if I can go to God. If somebody can grab this. I don't even know if I can go to God anymore. I sinned so much. I, I did so much wrong. I, would God even listen to me anymore? Does God even hear my prayers? If you need a prayer partner, come up here and get one. Let us pray for you. Let the leaders pray for you. Let us do it together. If you can bow our heads and close your eyes right now in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for who you are, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that we don't have to work. We don't have to, to, to be in doubt. We don't, we don't have to be like the maybe or the hope so's, but that, God, we can know. We can know if we're children of God, born of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. We can know we have eternal life through our faith in Jesus Christ. We can know that we belong to you, God, through Jesus Christ. And, God, if we have any idols in our life, God, take them from us, God. Remove it from us right now, God, in the name of Jesus. We put them on this altar, God, and we burn them unto you, God. And we pray, Lord God, that you will be first in our lives. Always. Always, God. Help us not to turn from you, God. Help us to experience your love, God. And to know you personally. Lord, we pray that you will love us so that we can love you and love ourselves and love others the way you love us, God sacrificially through a choice to send your son to die on a cross for our sins. And right now, if that is you and you need prayer, why don't you guys come up right now? Come deal with your idols. Come deal with your sin. We got one up here. We got two, three. 
We got some of you guys that are just sitting down in place. If you guys see people just sitting down, pray for them leaders. See if they need prayer. We got some standing up like Nate. Nate, come here. Come over here, Nate. 